Hello and welcome to the Ecom Life podcast, brought to you by 5874 Commerce. My name is Rupert Cross, I'm the Chief Digital Officer here at 5874. We're a global commerce agency headquartered in Birmingham with offices in London, Austin, Texas. Today we're going to be talking to you about customer experience, why it's important, where you can go right and where you can go wrong. With that in mind, I'm pleased to introduce our guest for this week, Stuart Pick, VP of Strategic Partnerships and Alliances from Brightpill, a retail operations platform, and Chris Baker, um, Head of Design at, uh, at 5874 Commerce. Gents, um, welcome. Thanks for taking the time to come on on this, uh, this Friday afternoon. Um, the, the idea of the podcast is we have a chat around a topic, and it, it feels really prevalent at the moment, which is you know, customer experience, why it matters um, as we stand here today. I mean, what are we? Is it twenty fifth of twenty uh, fifth of September? It's something like that today, isn't it? We've been we've been in whatever this second lockdown is for for for, for two days, even though it's that partial in and out thing, and where we're where we're going to. And uh, I think uh, it was actually so we were talking about just before we got on the pod that you know, the BBC have put an article out today. Uh, with the headline that reads "Shoppers are warned to buy early for Christmas or miss out," and you know that that can't, that we can't surely can't be in that place. But anyway, we can we can dive into it. But I mean, I guess w- w- with that in mind, guys, why don't you uh, why don't you uh, introduce uh, introduce yourself, Stu? Why don't we uh, why don't we start with you? Yeah, hi, thanks, and um, yeah, thanks for inviting me on. So um, yeah, I'm Stuart. I run partnerships uh, at Brightpill. Um, tech partnerships, but also agency um, relationships with uh, people like yourselves as well. Um, yeah, and uh, for anyone who doesn't know, so Brightpill is a retail operations platform. So it means that we deal with all of the complexity that happens uh, behind the scenes in the back office once an order is placed. Um, and most importantly, we automate as many of those processes as we can so that merchants can focus on the things that, that are really important. Cool, excellent. So that, thanks, June. And Chris, why didn't why didn't you introduce yourself and kind of the, the role you do at Five Eight Seven Four? There's, there's a few arms to that, isn't there? Sure. Yes. Uh, so um, yeah, I'm a head of design at Five Eight, and um, working with the design team and the, and the wider team, uh, get involved uh, through various stages of the project, uh, from discovery, where we look at uh, user experience and. Uh, how uh, we can support the business needs uh, and meet the users' needs, uh, and then through to uh, delivery, um, where we develop the visuals and the uh, the various design assets uh, of the websites, um, and we also get involved in a lot of uh, brand building and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, yeah, um, some some exciting clients and some some uh, yeah, interesting projects. Yeah, cool. Well, I mean, guys, it feels like I mean, it's deliberately so we kind of picked both of you to come onto the pod for this reason. But we've we've got everything from from the from the nose to the tail of the of the, of the customer experience there. So I mean, I guess so. Starting with the the, the front end of a of a of a website, Chris. I mean, where where does where does what does customer experience mean to you? Where, where does it start? Where does it stop? I guess there's probably a bit of brand involved in that, and no doubt it's not just the website. What 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 does what does that where does what does that mean to you guys? Yeah, so um, we 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 look at a lot of projects from a, a user experience point of view, um, and I think that that user experience uh, starts before the the customer even hits the website. So it's about what they're bringing to uh, to the to the product or service that you're offering. So what what what's the need? Um, how they become aware of you, um, all that kind of story that happens uh, before they even hit the website. Uh, and then obviously we look at supporting 
the, the user's journey through the site. So uh, product discovery, search, and, uh, and browsing, and that sort of thing, and making it you know as usable and easy as possible for them to uh, get that item into the into the basket and pay for it. And then it's uh, the journey following that where um, you're serving confirmation emails and they receive the product and maybe there's some questions that they have around their order and they need to meet uh, they need to communicate with the customer service uh, team so it's at every every point along the journey how you're making that uh, that journey as easy for the customer as possible yeah, in, um, in, interesting interesting so, so Stu I mean I guess that, that's the kind of top level that's the if we're talking about that seagull that sat quietly on that on that on the on the waves and it looks yeah. as though it's calm as hell what, what, what you guys are dealing with the other stuff aren't you where, 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 where do you guys fit in yeah I mean I, I echo what Chris said so um for me the experience is kind of before during and after I don't mm. know about you guys but I've definitely had good experiences and some pretty bad experiences before during and after um I also think that it's quite subjective, like what will put people off as, as consumers. And, and it's often, it can often be the, the really small things, the, the detail um, mm. that I think can affect people. I think where, where, where we come at this from is that, um, and, and I always quote this research that we did with, with Trustpilot last year, which found that 77% of negative reviews were nothing to do with the product being sold, but the service that happened after after the buy button. Interesting. With the most common, yeah, it's, it's mad. And, and one with one of the um, the most common things being things like um, you know missed deliveries, um, receiving the wrong item, poor communication, clunky refunds and returns, and things like that. And so there's a real opportunity for merchants to to to, to solve those those problems um, and, and and have a boost on the customer experience especially when we're in periods of kind of you know, quite big peaks and troughs mm. um, when it comes to demand and things like that. And you know, the, the busy Christmas period upon us, um, you know, this is where you can kind of either acquire lots of customers for the long term or, um, you know, you can, you can kind of cheese people off and never see them again, you know. Yeah, well, it was it was interesting. So that that BBC article I referenced at the top of the call, it was it was actually saying they're a bit concerned that people are going to leave it right up until the last minute this year, um, and and try and do all of that. Are you seeing anything like that in your data? Because obviously there was massive peaks. I mean, I think one of the payment partners we were talking about was saying it was the twelfth of May, Monday the twelfth of May was the biggest ever day in their history. I won't name the payment provider because it was a, it was an off the record conversation, but this was bigger than any of their Black Fridays and all the rest of it. I think you look back at it, and that's when uh, some the government announced that you know there, there was a path out of this but not yet we were still in lockdown so what are you what are you guys seeing, seeing with, with regards to that yeah definitely i think um so the office of national St- statistics they publish uh, quite a cool report that shows um the percentage of sales coming from internet sales versus um total retail um so and it jumped from you know roughly 20 percent to a peak of about 33 it's gone back a little bit down to about 30 now since the shops have opened and things like that but that's a massive growth i mean it might not seem much 30 percent, but that's a 50 percent growth in mm. a really short space of time uh, over the last kind of 15 years or so it's, it's been steadily growing at about one percent per year so to have gone from 20 to 33 is, is pretty huge um and we're, we're expecting it to be exactly the same um you know leading up to the holiday season to mm. you've got black Side the Monday, but also the Christmas period, and it, and it looks like the analysts are predicting 
um, some pretty significant increases. I think it was between 30 and 50% increase versus last year. I mean, that, that, that's, that's pretty astronomical numbers, that, particularly when, I mean, I know some of, some of, some of our merchants struggle in a, in, a, in a normal Christmas period, let alone when they're trying to do warehouse operations, socially distance and, 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 and all the rest of it. And, and I guess from a, we're sticking to topic and talking about customer experience, I guess that's where, from a front end, it doesn't necessarily make that much of a difference because the website is the website and there's certain bits we can do around optimization and speed and things like that to make sure it, to make sure it stands up. Um, but actually, it's that back office piece, and I mean, I guess you, you guys are layering layering in automation all over the place. Where they don't necessarily this this socially distanced warehouse, you, you can do quite a lot to do with that, can't you? Yeah, I think that's a that's a good point. Actually, I think um, the, the thing that we found, particularly from our own data and our own customers, is that everyone knows there's been some big winners and there's been some some sectors that have been hit pretty hard. I actually think automation plays a part for 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 all businesses because. You know, for the people that have seen a, a 510 increase in, in, in volumes, um, you know, manual processes are, it just volume kills manual processes mm. effectively. But even if you're not particularly busy and you've got people social distancing or ringing in sick or trying to self-isolate, you've got extra measures that you're trying to um, adhere to within the warehouse, then you know, automation is like that, that silent employee that doesn't ring in sick and is you know, ultra efficient and things like that, so it kind of picks up the slack, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Can it ever be a hindrance, the automation side of things? Um, I don't know if I'd ever call it a hindrance. I definitely think that there's some things that you auto that make sense to automate, mm. um, and there's some things that, that just don't. They yeah. clearly don't. I think there's a there's a cost benefit uh, to weigh up um, for, for for any business process. So some some things do not make sense to to automate either because they're too complicated or um, they're too low volume. Um, we try and concentrate on the most repetitive, most predictable, um, lowish value tasks and try and automate those so that you're really only dealing with the exceptions. Um, yeah. What would that be? So would that be pick waves? Would that be yeah, applying postage methods? What would what would, could it be? Any of those bits? Sending inventory it could, out? It could be. Um, it could be allocation of sh- uh, stock. It would be selection of the right carrier. It could simply be capturing that order and getting it to the warehouse mm. in, a, in, a, in an orderly fashion. Um, it could also be some of the more complicated things as well. So maybe you've got um, some of the stock on an order that can be fulfilled and some not. It could be that you've got stock in multiple warehouses. It could be that you're uh, operating a dropship model and you've got a fairly high touch process in order to you know, back that off to your supplier. So introducing automation um, for those little tasks um, is is pretty key. I, we often see somewhere between 20 and 30 little micro tasks um, for sales order processing. And that could be, it could be businesses that are already using software, mm. but they're still having to click. You've still got human beings making decisions and touching things within the software, mm. um, and maybe multiple bits of software. So the ability to automate even those little tasks, when you blow up your orders five, 10 times during you know COVID, as some businesses have experienced, that, that one or two little steps that you have to do, if you have to do that hundreds of times per day, that's really when the mistakes start to creep in. That's when you miss that delivery cutoff. It's when the wrong thing turns up or doesn't turn up or you know, you're selling stuff on the website that no longer is yeah, on the Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I can I can I can I can can fully get that. I mean Chris, pulling it pulling it back to you for a second, I mean, where does where does customer experience start and stop? 
where does UX fit into that? And um, um, where does brand slot in? I guess I'm kind of thinking both in terms of the front end of it, email delivery, packaging. I mean, there's a huge topic just there in itself. Where does that kind of start and stop? Mm. Well, I think um, when it comes to uh, the difference between brand and, and, and UX, I think that the, the brand is, is, the, is the tone of voice, uh, the values, mm. uh, the, the, the type of, uh, and all that, and the color palette and all that kind of stuff. And then the user experience or customer experience is how does the how does the the, the customer experience all those that brand so uh, all the various touch points so when they hit the the website or when they receive an email or they ring up customer service you know how is that tone of voice how how are those those brand values delivered to to the user at that particular touch point mm-hmm. um, so yeah that's kind of that's kind of the difference between uh, brand and UX. Um, I think that uh, the automation is, 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 is key to matching the, the user's expectations, mm. which are, you know, only, only uh, kind of uh, increasing, you know, the, the more uh, people buy online. This, uh, this expectation that the payment methods that they use are there, the delivery methods or the time slots that they want to access are there, that they, you know, you, you complete your purchase and you expect a confirmation email seconds later. You know, drives, but, drives me mad, that particular one. I, I, I end up getting really anxious if it doesn't arrive straight away because you think someone's, de- yeah, have I placed the order? Has it not come in? I, that, that's a personal pet hate of mine. Exactly. It, it starts to, every every little little thing that uh, a, a user interacts with and, and it doesn't meet those expectations just just starts to kind of wear away at the trust mm. that they have with the buyer uh, with, with the uh, with the business um, so yeah matching those expectations throughout every touch point is I think is key and especially in times uh, that, such as we're at the moment where people want to feel safe and, mm. and secure mm. so if they come to a website and you know there's, there's something that's sticking out to them that that doesn't meet that, then they're going to go elsewhere. Yeah, it's, it's such a big piece. This we're we're um, sure I don't think I've told you yet. We're, we're in the we're in the process of doing a doing a huge debt. I won't call it a survey because it's not. It's a data gathering exercise, and it'll be sort of featured in a in a future pod that we're talking about. But we're buying a hundred items. Sorry, we're buying four sets of twenty five items um, from from a hundred different retailers, from everything from budget down to uh, up to up to expensive, from massive name high street brands down to down to little. Hopefully. The they're sending it from their garage. Either that, or we've really pitched someone badly because we've looked at we've looked at how they're operating and where we think they are. I know that's always the thing because you get someone like Chris on a small project and you can make them look like they're sending it from a seven hundred thousand square foot warehouse. And then yeah. similarly, I've, I've known instances the other way around. But we're looking at everything from you know, the experience on the website, number of clicks to purchase, um, that standard delivery. Does it actually turn up? What does standard delivery mean? Oh, this is this is my favourite one because depending on the value where it's going to and the retailer you're dealing with sometimes you might get dpd which is the same as their express service so we're kind of doing a few bits to do with that and uh, and sustainability is the big one out of that which is because i think that it's, it's such a key topic at the moment so many companies are saying that they want to be sustainable but yet they'll send a dress out in a plastic bag in the dress there's two dresses in the bag in another plastic bag and what they're and what they're doing around that so i think there's probably well, stay stay tuned on that one we'll, we'll update you when we've when we've got some got some more stuff to talk about but i think it's so key 
Yeah, that sounds great. I, I don't know if we can mention the name, but there's a, a well-known ESP that um, produces a report, something similar to that. It um, was, yeah, we can. It's Dot Digital's one, is it? They, 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 yeah. The good pals of ours, yeah. If I may, um, I, I, can't, I can't remember exactly when this is coming out, but we're, we're about to release our own report uh, okay. called the Bright Trust Score 100. And so we've done something similar mm. and we've analysed um, 100 merchants and we've, we're publishing the top 100 in terms similar similar kind of thing. Mm. Um, but we're looking at reviews, but we, we're looking deep into the quality of those reviews to see why people have giving them positive reviews, mm. but in the reasons behind the negative reviews as well. So it's kind of going a little bit deeper into the um, uh, into those kind of um, uh, sentiment. And I bet there's a piece in there, and it's down to this customer experience piece, isn't it? I bet there's a piece in there across all of it where they're actually really easy things to iron out, and there's probably some massive massive notices you're seeing. And you can see that because we've done NPS scores at 5874, and you can see certain things. We've changed some of our processes around that, and it's similar to that, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, do, do you know something? I say this all the time. It's amazing how many, um, one of my top tips for any e-commerce business listening is go and read all of your reviews. I mean, mm. It's amazing how many people don't do that because it's so easy to spot the common the common themes. You know, sometimes just on the first page, you've got you've got fulfillment issues. You've, you've got, you know, inefficiencies in that warehouse or you've got, you know, people not receiving next day delivery and people are screaming out that this is a, a problem and not only are they not going to buy from you again, but they're probably putting off future customers as well. So I think if you read the reviews, I think quite often it's it's quite easy to spot those those common themes and come up with a plan to address them. You know, yeah, not always, not always that simple. It's 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 such a bit. I mean, we should do another pod just on re- reviews on itself. But I mean, I remember <laughs> far too many years ago for me to for me to mention. But I was a I was a pub manager for Whitbread, and they um they they always used to talk about. Terrorists being twenty-seven, uh, sorry, one, uh, tw- one was it one in twenty? One in twenty-seven were likely to leave a positive review, and one in ten were likely to leave a negative review. Something like that. So you're far more likely to leave a negative review around something. Was where I was where I was going to with that? Yeah, I think I don't know if that's a British thing. We love a good old moan, don't we? But yeah, it's definitely definitely easier to. Uh, to attract a negative review. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, I mean, I guess I've, I've got this thing around my in my head, guys. Around where does where does brand start and stop, and where does automation start and stop? And I'll kind of tee up a bit of an example, there and I'll let you both kind of come back on it. But I get the impression it's probably wrong that you know the John Lewis partnership. There's a person doing everything through every stage of that, whereas. At Amazon, it feels like it's a cyborg doing it through the entire thing, and I think you feel like you kind of get what you're going with that. I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't particularly know who wants to go first on that, really, but it's kind of it feels like the customer experience and brand are directly tied to automation w- within that, and it's probably down to your expectations and service that you're setting out. I don't know. Well, what do you what are your thoughts on that, guys? I mean, go on. Go on, Chris. Uh, I was just going to say, I, I think part of that's about the the brand perception um and that's the image that that the brand are putting out that i mean we've we've seen amazon documentaries that that look at the warehouses and things like that you know it's no secret that they're a huge automated machine and and um that they've been relying on um kind of data to drive their decisions for for decades now um so i think and that's you know that's all part of their their brand that they're they're putting out there. Whereas you know we've got John Lewis and they've got their Christmas ads and and, and all that kind of uh, human 
uh, kind of storytelling and all that kind of stuff. So it's about, yeah, the message that's being put out there. But I would imagine that they've both got a decent level of automation going on. Mm. It's just how how they let their brand tell that kind of uh, that story around them. Yeah, interesting. Stu, is there is there, is there a do, do, what a bright pillar? Are you advising if you, if you had a retail that was more John Lewis than Amazon, you're advising them to do different things. How are they, how are they approaching that with with how they're perceived? Or does it even matter? Because if you do the automation right, does it feel as though you don't even notice this? It's seamless. I, I guess is my question. To be honest, my, my opinion on this is that whether you're a big company or a small company, I don't I don't think as consumers we really care. Mm. I, honestly, I honestly think I'm myself. I'm so used to buying on Amazon, and I get that. You just get the great communication. You can track the guy to your door. You get a good price. You just have this mm. this great experience. And so, I feel like we almost we, we, we don't we don't give too much um, uh, leeway. For, for smaller businesses, when you when you're buying from a, a website, you don't know whether it's a big company, a small company, whether they've got automated systems or manual systems. You don't really care. I, I, I honestly think that the front end makes the promise, you know, of the, the trust, you know, to attract me in the first place, um, to reading things like you know delivery policies and returns, and that's the promise. And to me, I just expect that back office to. Mm. to I don't think as consumers we really kind of break it down to, to kind of front and back office, but um, I, I, yeah, I, I, I just think that it's um, it, it's just necessary. Like the back office just backs up the promise. Yeah, it's um, such an important thing, that isn't it? I mean, I know uh, Chris will laugh that I mentioned this on the pod, but the um, Richard, Richard, my my business partner, I think it, it wasn't last year; it was the year before. We were we were sat there just before Christmas, and he'd added up all of his Amazon Prime orders for for the year that he yeah. bought stuff for the office and bought stuff for home, and his wife had bought stuff. He'd done over four hundred and fifty separate orders on Amazon wow. Prime. So he's definitely got his seventy nine pounds worth of uh, worth worth of value out of that. But I bet he's. I mean, it'll probably be the partially the free shipping bit. But I bet it's the convenience. And I guess Chris, this kind of ties into the the next bit that that customer experience about the ease of use and how simple it is to pay to log in is just there. Where, where does that fit in? And I guess there's kind of. I suppose also balance that off. You know, Richard there with those those uh, those four hundred odd purchases. Most of them wouldn't have been what I would call a considered purchase. You know, he's not he's not gone to go and buy a camera. He's been saving up for months for that. He's been you know he's comparing things and all sorts of other things. He's probably just buying batteries and all sorts of other stuff. So because where do, where does that all kind of slide in? Mm, well, I mean, obviously, it reminds me of when. Um, uh, we we had our we had our first child and uh, you know the the convenience of one click purchase when you've got a screaming baby and you want a good night's rest and you know you you, you just one click uh, whatever it might be in that moment you know that they're yeah they're not considered purchases they're convenience and they're uh, yeah they're they're instant um, so I think for for other kind of uh, retailers having that that understanding that everything that you put in the way of the, the customer to, to kind of making that final purchase and, and pressing the, um, the, the, the confirm purchase button, you know, is, is giving them another reason to either think about whether they should be buying this with you or considering someone else for, for the same items or a competitor or, or, or something like that. And so, Looking, you know, starting off um, 
during the discovery processes we do, like looking at the wireframes and the, uh, the user journeys and the user flows through the website so that you can make sure that everything that comes after that is based on the research and an understanding of what your users fundamentally need from your website is key to making sure that when you launch that site and people start using it, that it feels intuitive to them. Um, it's, it feels natural. It's easy. And, um, it, yeah, the, the path to them receiving that item, uh, in the next couple of days, uh, is as, uh, as slick and seamless as possible. Yeah, abs- absolutely. I guess, I mean, serious, that kind of, that kind of lead, leads me to, I suppose, the, my next my next topic really, which is going towards customer service, and I suppose it's really it's partially around, um, I guess, some of your processes around automating and updating the customer. But I mean, I'm starting to think towards integrating the back end of Bright Pearl with the front end of websites. And how do how do you guys how are you guys approaching that? I mean, obviously, we're 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 mainly a big commerce agency, so we don't only do big commerce. But I mean, I guess we can pretty much talk pretty freely about 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 anything. Now, how are you how are you guys seeing that process and where it goes to? Um, I mean, in terms of customer service, um, if I just kind of bring this back to the reviews, like one of the one of the most common, if not the most common, um, customer service query for e-commerce business is uh, they call it Wismo. Where's my order? Yep. And, and, and the, the it, it's quite clear to me from from the data and the, in, in, in the research is that most e-commerce businesses don't have. Um, enough time and resource to dedicate to that. I mean, first of all, I think um, I think there's an expectation. Again, bringing it back to the kind of the Amazon style experience, you 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 don't expect to chase an online merchant for your order these days. You expect to get an email within seconds and a tracking reference and, and things like that. So, um, you know, part part of me thinks that you know, we should be anticipating. The requirement, you know, the, the needs of the consumer. Mm. We should be on the front foot. That should, that experience should match the expectations. Um, you know, com- good communication, tracking references, um, ease of ease of use, and, and things like that. Um, yeah, that, that's that's pretty much our approach. I mean, in terms of, from a technology standpoint and things like that, you know, there's there's kind of features built into the system, and we can integrate into you know your Zen desks and, and, and your people like that. But but really, I think the most frustration, just bringing it back to those those little things, those mm-hmm. little reasons why people leave negative reviews or have bad experiences, that's that's a huge one. It's just basic. Yeah, I, I totally totally agree with all that, and I know we're, we're, we've we've actually just kicked off another project um, with 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 you guys, where um, they're a, they're 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 um what how did Big Commerce refer to refer to it the other day? They didn't say it was a B two B and a B two B two C um, a B two C company operating on one website. I think they called it B two B two B to C. It was something like that. They, 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 I think Megan, I've done Megan a, ma- a massive injustice there by how I've delivered that. But fundamentally, it's it's one website where. They've got both standard customers and they've got trade customers on it. And I know um, we're, we're working with your team here because the trade customers are doing payment on account orders, but they're not just doing it through the website. Now, that's fine. It's quite straightforward in BigCommerce to actually go in and settle those payment on account orders. But what if I've emailed you my account manager? I want to be able to do both online. And we could do that with the Bright Pearl API, and we could, and and I think that's a that's a huge part around this, and that's probably you start getting towards some of those edge cases, and you know that can massively improve your cash flow as a business, your touch points that you're talking to them, and how how kind of slick slick you can end up and uh, and and go from there. So I think it's it's 
it's great that you've kind of got that um, got those possibilities with, within Brightpell. I think is where I'm going to. You know, yeah, definitely, and, and I think that that comes from you know our founders were running a B two B and a B two C brand mm. you know, all the years back, so we've always had that kind of functionality built into the system. I, I honestly think one of the one of the strong one of the the traits that the, uh, the most um, successful businesses have had over the last six months is just the ability to to be flexible mm. and agile, because you know you've, you've you've seen brands, big big household name brands. Um, going direct to the consumer, you know, for the first time and things like that. Um, so there's, there's change of change of business models, change in that front end promise, you know, buy online and pick up in store that some brands are, are doing for the first time. So to be able to be agile and flexible, but also have the back office systems to be able to back up those promises yeah. is, is really important, especially as we're going into that kind of... So, that, such, a, yeah. such a big point there. And there was, I won't call out the retailer by name because I don't think it's particularly fair, um, but they, they were one of the big um, DIY companies, um, yeah. the, uh, the, 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 the more home and gardens than, than DIY. My wife yeah. went to order something last night. She couldn't get it on the website, but it tells you where, what branches it's in stock in. She'd have yeah. driven to Leamington. That's 10 miles down the road. That would have been fine. She could have taken my daughter to the gym at the same time. Done. Yeah. It was in Coventry. She might go to Coventry once every six months. She didn't want to do that. There was no ability to order it from the branch. And, and this is crazy. If you've even got a half-sophisticated back-office system, let alone um, the likes of Brightpearl, th- this is straightforward, being able, being able to do that true omni-channel piece that then layers into that. And it answers that customer experience question. Do you, do you know something? This one of the things I love about working at Brightpill because the advantages that some of these big, big organisations that have had, you know, we we bring that type of functionality to the smaller, mid mid-sized you know, businesses. Um, you know, functionality that five years ago it was, it was huge organisations, huge retailers, big, big shared uh, merchants. Um, it's it's all possible now with with pretty pretty standard technologies like us. Yeah, and relatively quick to implement as well, isn't it, Stu? What's your what's your average time from someone someone signing a contract with each of them being live? It, it, it ranges. So uh, an average is around about eighty to ninety days. Mm. Uh, we've done projects in as in as, in as quick as a few weeks. Um, obviously, the more the more complex projects can take a little bit longer. Mm. Um, that's done on a case by case as a, a full project plan. Um, created for every for every project. Yeah, absolutely. And Chris, I mean, I guess this is probably one one, one for you. I mean, I know we're we're touching towards this this second lockdown. I know when we're going into the first one, uh, I think just about every platform um, that we deal with, we're we're talking to us about. Can you do this in twenty four hours? Can you do this? I mean, I know we did. Uh, we, we're t- let's not name the not name the the, the retailer because we'll get in trouble for it. But it was about a week end to end, wasn't it, for a, for for one particular big co- uh, big commerce site that we did. Um, that was uh, that was a that was a whiskey one. Um, mm. so, yeah, um, yeah. so talk 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 us a bit about that. As obviously you, you did the design part of that. I mean, it was, actually, it was it was Lucy. It was one of your team, wasn't it, that did the design part of that? So that 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 would have, that, how do you, what would be your advice? I suppose let's re- rephrase the question. What would, what would be your advice for someone who's so there, there are retailers out there that haven't adapted yet somehow because um, we're still getting calls on a, on a daily basis. But someone sat there at home now. They're watching this pod, listening to this pod on Spotify or whatever. Um, they're going, I'm going to make the jump. From a, from, a, from a customer experience UX, UI design perspective, where, where would you start with them? What would, what would you suggest? 
Well, I mean, I think um, we've talked about reviews and, and customer service and stuff like that. I think businesses collect an enormous amount of detail on their users, um, sometimes without realizing it, um, but uh, also often without actually kind of utilizing it. Um, so it would be, a, you know, a, a case of sitting down and, and seeing, seeing what kind of information they've got there. Um, we'd obviously be looking at the business needs and, and what that what it needs to be profitable and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so, looking at those kind of two uh, pools of information, where they overlap and, and and what we can do to best serve those with an online presence. Um, I mean, as we said, like <clears throat> now is now is the time to kind of get ahead of mm. the, you know the, the the upshift with Christmas, but. With the, the second lockdown and that sort of, that sort of thing, um, I was reading uh, a Google article this morning that there's been a huge increase in search around uh, near me uh, products uh, and, yeah. and in stock as well. So um, there there's opportunities for the bricks and mortar kind of retailers to kind of get online and serve that that extra need that people have due to the current situation. That's such such an interesting point because the the bricks and mortar retailers are not shut during this lockdown. Are they? That's the big difference, isn't it? So it should be a lot of localized commerce should be get should be going on. And I, I know um, it's something that we've we've kind of taken through our rebrand that we did at the beginning of this year that we're we're to, we're talking about about ourselves as a commerce agency, not an e-commerce agency, because we we actually don't care where someone interacts with one of our merchants where someone buys with one of our merchants and how they experience it what we care about is that they do and they will probably absorb at least one of the touch points that we're that we're dealing with now whether it's bright pearl poles or um, in, a, in a retail location whether it's uh, an e-commerce website or even a marketplace and i think that that's partly to, to me that's really important and i think that's also it it touches on everything from the experience they get the automation they get how the packaging is, all of all of that. It's uh, it's it's massively important. So, guys, I'll tee, I'll tee you up, but tee you both up with one last one. And you know, in the in the notes here, I've got it written down here, and I've been asking the guys on the previous podcast. But um, it was what happens over the next twelve months. But actually, I think we should say three because where we are now, and I think we need to we need to. Uh, R- Rishi uh, redid his budget from three years to about three weeks I think so why don't, why don't I ask you this question so where do you see the e-com space going over the next three months and I know everyone's talking about Instagram and some of those bits do you think there's going to be a mass rush of people coming online brands going D to C where do you think it's going to be Stu why don't you start us off um, I think I'll answer this with uh, we, we did some research um, and it was basically around um, several thousand um retailers and it was about their ability to uh, to be flexible and survive um, and it says here um, 56% of UK retailers surveys said that they could survive another widespread lockdown so only 56% mm. but it said only 54% um, sorry 54% had made no changes to their business model or systems in the event of a second wave wow it was pretty incredible yeah. so that's on the one hand, people saying they couldn't survive it, but also they've not, have, they've not made the change. No, exactly. And so, for me, um, I think uh, my, my 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 big thing I think is that um, I just I just hope that a lot of these um, these businesses are ready for the for the for the next wave. We we saw so many businesses caught out, um, whether they were just getting 
huge spikes in volume that they couldn't cope with, or they just saw, you know, their business, you know, go through the floor in a really short space of time. I just hope that there's businesses out there that are planning and prepping for it for it now because mm. we don't really know what's going to change. We talk about second lockdown. There were some announcements earlier this week that didn't make, really make too many changes. Like you said, the shops are still open. We're predicting huge growth during the Christmas period. Does that mean that people are going to be able to get to the shops? Will the shops be open? I I think my 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 hope is that these merchants um, will do what they need to do now to, to plan and be ready for whatever comes their way. Mm. So in terms of a, a big prediction, um, I don't really have one for the next few months, if I'm honest. I just I just hope people are planning and prepping and doing the groundwork now. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Chris? Where's, where's your head at on this one? So I, I guess... Uh, Talking in terms of retailers that are either growing their their online experience or coming to an online e-commerce space, I think that they focusing on closing the gap between the in-person experience and the and, and the digital experience, and that you know can take so many forms. But you know, having a good range of high-quality product images, so you know the the customer can see the product from all, from all the various angles and. Um, providing uh, kind of scale shots, so you know whether it's a person in the in the image as well using the product, so that they can, in their mind, best imagine that product in their in their environment. I think you know that that helps bridge that gap, and then I think that you know pro- providing a good level of kind of product detail and um, making sure that. At each point, you're answering the uh, the customers' questions before you know they have to uh, before they think about them or the, before they have to pick up the phone to a customer service uh, op- operator or, or something like that. And then it's also about building building the trust with kind of indicators such as uh, contact details, whether it's where you're based, um, you know, through to Showing whether something is in stock or how long it's going to be, uh, how long it's going to take to be delivered to somebody. These are all, these are all, these all help build confidence in the in in the buyer, uh, getting across the you know the final the finish line. Uh, and I think that's that's only going to be more and more more and more important with with the COVID, but also in the lead up to Christmas when you know people want want to make sure that without going to the shops and actually buying the item straight away that. They're going to get what they want, and they're going to get it one where they want it. Yeah, totally. I couldn't I couldn't agree more with with, with both of you across uh, across both of those points. I think there's some there's some some really valid bits. I mean, guys, we're, we're pretty much up on time there. So, I mean. Yes, with with that in mind, um, thanks for joining us uh, today, everyone. Um, hopefully, the guys have provided some useful insights on, on that you can take back to your business. I mean, I know personally, they've, they've they've kind of put put focused my mind particularly on on we can do some real simple things um, going into this second lockdown. You don't need to make you know, huge changes, whether it's little bits of automation that can potentially help out your business, whether it's some of those little product fo- uh, photos that Chris was talking about there at the end. I think ultimately, as long as we're starting to plan for this second lockdown and where we're looking to go uh, go through it's not going to be a short process this and actually like with anything in life if you try and rush it at the last minute it's going to be it's going to be a bit of a nightmare but 
fundamentally, if you start, you're closer to finishing, aren't you? I think is the is the is the bigger thing. Um, Stu, I'm gonna uh, when, when your research is out, if you want to pop it in the comment uh, comment section of this, then uh, then please do. But um, I'll tag up Stuart and Chris in the uh, in the comments on uh, in the comments on YouTube and LinkedIn. Um, Spotify obviously slightly more different difficult. You'll have to uh, you'll have to uh, hunt them down on uh, on LinkedIn and whatsoever. And we'll tag up uh, tag up Bright Pearl as well. But uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. And um, if you can't be good, be healthy and uh, stay safe and um, yeah let's uh, all get ready for Christmas thank you